welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckus. What is up, sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of the AD's office. He's Alex, I'm Devin, and wild card weekend. It, in fact, was wild. Super wild, one might say. Yeah, it was a great weekend of football. There's just more on the line, obviously, with do-or-die games. And even if the games aren't particularly competitive, looking at you, Dallas, the, you can still kind of feel the tension that everyone knows it's high pressure, everything on the line, got to win. And some teams lived up to that, and some teams might be making some changes as we go into the offseason. Well, in all honesty, even, we only had one competitive game. Besides that, it was essentially all blowouts. I mean, the Steelers and Bills game was mostly competitive. It kept pretty close until not. And it never felt close. Yeah, so in reality, I mean, the Lions and Rams matchup was the only one that stayed close throughout the entire game. And there weren't even any lead changes in that game either. That's a good point. Yeah, really the only competitive game. The I, I think people expected some of the other games were going to be close. but Oh, totally. You're right. The Packers-Cowboys, the score looked close, but... It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Some of the games were what we expected. Some of the games really just flipped at the very beginning and never settled out. As it all kind of comes together, heading into the divisional weekend, there's one division with no teams in the divisional round of the playoffs, and that would be the NFC East. And we talked about them last year. NFC beast, you know, best team in or best division in football. Mm -hmm. They've got all the studs, so on and so on. And here they are. And some people are talking about, is there going to be three head coaching vacancies in that division? It'd be real interesting. Definitely one, obviously, Ron Rivera out with the commanders. But Eagles and Cowboys have some big decisions to make. Yeah, and those... How about those Cowboys? How just, about them Cowboys? They just fell apart. They were the only team in NFL history to lose three straight playoff games as seven-plus point favorites, as well as only team in NFL history to win at least 12 games in back-to-back-to-back seasons and never reach a conference championship. They just fell apart. Yeah, and there's a history of heartache there if you're a Cowboys fan. Because being favored by 7-plus is a pretty big spread in a playoff game. Oh, yeah. And then to go and lose the way they did, it was 48-32 as the final score, but really not. 16, half of the Cowboys' points came in the fourth quarter garbage time. And not only the fourth quarter, but in the last six minutes of the game. Yeah, it wasn't really competitive. It was 27-7 at halftime, and... The Packers were in control the entire time. Yeah, it's like you said, 27-7 to at halftime. Even before that, the game was essentially over when it hit 27-0. to At that point, the Packers were putting backups in. It, it was just bad. There was even at one point in the fourth quarter with about 10 minutes left, the Packers went for it on fourth down from the five or so. And that is what put them up at 45, I believe. 
I was just sitting there thinking, man, if Arthur Smith were in this game, he'd be <laughs> livid. He'd be so mad. I was sitting there. I'm like, you guys are going up 30 right now. Why are you going for it on fourth down? Kick the field goal. Nah, playoffs, baby. You don't take your foot off the gas. But it's like you're an inch from the finish line. Why do you Why do you need to do that? I was kind of hot about it. Nah, bust through the finish line. You just knock that wall down. I'm all for teams going for blowouts. And if you have an opportunity to blow a team out in the playoffs, do it. Yeah, and it ended up not really looking like a blowout. If you ask me, then a three-score game is a blowout, which 16 sure. is literally as close as you can get to a three-score game without being one. In some ways, it's a four-score game because, you know, need two-point conversions. But either way, no matter how you try to dice it, Packers controlled this through and through. Yeah, which brings up an interesting question. Jordan Love was the part of the 2020 draft class that was a spectacular quarterback class, or we think is a spectacular quarterback class. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love. Is Jordan Love the second best quarterback in that group? Joe Burrow's number one. I'm not really going to. I'm not going to entertain. An no. argument that he's not. But who's number two? Right now, sitting three years out, Justin Herbert has looked like this incredible potential that never quite gets over the hump. And you have Jalen Hurts, who fell apart the last two months. You have Tua and the Dolphins, who, since he's been there, have started hot, never ended well. I, I'm i still going to give it to Herbert. He's the only one that's done things consistently and incredibly and he's done it with lackluster people surrounding him you know he's already on his what this is going to be his third coach it's a good point yeah third coach third offensive scheme most likely and still killing it i mean i'm i'm with you i think burrow and herbert are one two there's an interesting conversation about jordan love jalen hurts or tua for that number three I think two months ago, definitively Jalen Hurts, not close. Yes. Not close. Hurts and the Eagles in total fell apart over the last month and a half of the season. Uh-huh. Love has since turned it up. He, you know, eight weeks through the season, we were talking about, yeah, the Packers would be stupid not to move on. You know, they, they need to get a new person. But he's killed it. Yeah. Killed it to the point that the San Francisco 49ers on their bye week started prepping game film for the Packers during the second quarter of the Packers-Cowboys game. I mean, why wouldn't you when the team is up 27-0 to zero at that yeah. point? No, the Niners staff was looking at it, and they knew, we're playing the Packers, let's go ahead and start cutting film. Yeah, yeah, that's the right thing to do for them. In a tiny dose of irony, uh, there was a former NFL wide receiver des bryant who offered his pre-draft take on jordan love back in 2020 and des said whoever drafts jordan love is going to end up with an elite quarterback it's a bummer for cowboys fans bummer for cowboys fans this weekend anyways which i had a packers fan buddy of mine text me and say Hey, Jordan Love is going to go ball out in the house that Aaron built, which they've been pretty much undefeated in AT&T Stadium. That's really interesting. 
and yeah, yeah, he was right. Obviously, Jordan Love, he balled out with some tight window throws. It's It was more than just his stats were great. Mm-hmm. He actually played incredibly well. He actually and played, Dak, yeah. Dak had decent stats at the end because of the two garbage time touchdowns, but played incredibly porously to the point that people aren't only talking about is Mike McCarthy going to be gone? Mm-hmm. But do they move on from Dak at this point? He's making $60 million right now. He's got one yeah. year left. McCarthy has one year left. Ugh. Yeah, and I think we talked about it earlier in the season that the Jerry Jones-Cowboys decision to not give Dak that massive extension is kind of because Dak is the, the girl you want to date but not marry. It's sure. fun. It's fun. Let's enjoy it while we can. But we kind of all know where this is headed. I think we all know where this is headed. If I'm, well, I was gonna say if I'm Jerry Jones, but if I'm Jerry Jones, I I am irrational and not thinking clearly. If I, <laughs> if I was calling the shots in Dallas, I'm not sure I'm firing Mike McCarthy quickly. Sure. I'm talking about it. I. I would talk about it. I'm right there with you. I'd move on from McCarthy and not Dak right now. Here's the thing. I've quoted this before. Brad Holmes, GM of the Detroit Lions, Yep. he went out and he said, it's a lot easier to get worse at quarterback than it is to get better. 100%. The same exact thing is true about a head coach. Yeah, and I think outside looking in, the Cowboys are in in this regime, the Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott Cowboys, they are always good, never good enough. Gosh, I totally see what you're saying, and I can't like, I can't say that's not true or that's wrong or something. But I'm just sitting there thinking like, you're gonna roll the dice on who? You're taking a chance. You're taking a there's, chance. There's probably like a sixty or seventy percent chance that they're not as good. And. You could make an argument that the Cowboys lost their opportunity because Kellen Moore was the in-house favorite Yep, a couple seasons ago, obviously in L.A. with the Chargers. It wasn't awesome with the Chargers, so maybe they maybe they didn't miss anything. I think with one year left on Dak's contract, if you're going to make a coaching change, you do it now. You let the new coach get one year with Dak. And to be clear, that's one year with Dak and CD and Pollard and the offensive yep. line that they have. A pretty established offensive powerhouse. Yep. And see what the new coach can do. After that year, you then let that coach have some say, assuming things go okay, you let that coach have some say on whether or not Dak is sticking around. But they became that offensive powerhouse with Mike McCarthy. It's true. You know, before Mike McCarthy, we're looking at, I don't know, I'm thinking back and I'm looking at the Cowboys of old and I'm saying, Jason Garrett was 9-7 and seven in back-to-back-to-back years. Now you're 12-5 and five in back-to-back-to-back years and you're thinking, ah, I got to move on. Like, how much better are you going to get? Yeah, you, you flopped in the playoffs all three times. Yep. And we can say the same thing about the Eagles even, their division rivals. They didn't flop in the playoffs multiple times. They fell just barely short in a Super Bowl, and then they obviously had this late-season collapse this year and mm-hmm. flopped in the playoffs. But Jalen Hurts, he was an MVP candidate you know, six weeks ago. Dak was an MVP candidate, I don't know, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. 
coach of the year candidates, both of them this season. Yeah. Now it's, it's interesting. I think there is a higher standard though. When you, when you go 12 and five over and over at some point you need that playoff win. Yeah. I'm not saying I'd do it. I'm saying if I was calling the shots in Dallas, McCarthy may not be around come spring camp. I would give both of them. I wouldn't fire either Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, or Mike McCarthy this offseason. I'm not saying I'd give them all of next season. Like if they start off 0-2 or 0-3, they're gone. But I think I would give them this offseason, get through and say, okay, if the collapse continues, yeah, you're out. Like mm-hmm. you have the hottest seat. Your seat is on fire. On fire. But I don't think I pull the trigger this offseason just because they both have accomplished so much, especially Sirianni. He was one play away from winning the Super Bowl last year. And now people are wanting to drive him out of town. Well, that's partly because the Eagles got decimated by the Buccaneers. Yeah. Yeah. Which both you and I actually picked. Yeah. No, it feels, uh... feels good to be on the right side of an upset. It was a yeah. Vegas upset that the home team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, beat the, at one point, NFC favorite Eagles. Yeah. Obviously weren't the favorite toward the end of the season, probably the whole second half of the season. We were all, you know, house money was on the Niners. Right. But frankly, the Eagles didn't even look competitive against the Bucks. No, no, not particularly. It was, give them a little bit benefit of the doubt with A.J. Brown, their all-pro receiver being out of the game. But, man, you got so many other weapons, and you just mm-hmm. couldn't connect. And they also, on the defensive side, gave up a 300-yard, three-touchdown performance to Baker Mayfield, which is the first time in Buccaneers history that a quarterback has had 303 TDs in the playoffs. This is the same Buccaneers franchise that won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and never had that stat line. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bonkers. Their defense was so bad, which is headed by everybody's favorite former Detroit Lions coach, Matt Patricia. Matt, this is a joke, and I think you're the worst ever. It was so bad on defense for the Philadelphia Eagles that Jamal Agnew, currently an all-pro return man for the Jaguars, former all-pro return man and cornerback for the Detroit Lions while Matt Patricia was the head coach. He went on Twitter and said he's willing to do a live tell-all if other former Matt Patricia players are in on it to talk about how (laughs) bad of a coach Matt Patricia is. He said that live on Twitter during the game that the Philadelphia Eagles were on. And it was like, you get Darius Slay, Quandre Diggs, and uh, Jamal Agnew, three microphones, and you say that... You're willing mm-hmm. to just talk trash about Matt Patricia? Wow. That's bad. Yeah, now that's um that's going to be censored on any media platform cuz most definitely there will be no nice things. Mm. Nope. No no nice things to say. Speaking of not having a nice thing to say, uh, here in the AD's office, we we like to keep an open mind. We like to be willing to admit when we are wrong. We also have. We were both wrong about Jordan Love. We were both wrong about Jordan Love. It looks like, hate that. <laughs> but we also have some consistency that we like to adhere to. And for me, one of those consistent points is Mike Evans is a letdown in big moments. And I don't want the Buccaneers just wiping the floor with the Eagles. 
to overshadow the fact that Mike Evans could have had a massive touchdown. Oh, yeah. But, in fact, uh, could not haul in a pass that hit him in a very tricky spot. Um, the palms of your hands. It's hard to catch a football that way. So, anyway, there's yeah. there's my shtick. Yeah, Alex has been consistent with that one since Mike Evans has, basically since his rookie or sophomore season. And to be you, clear. You stuck to it. Yeah, and to be clear, all the respect in the world for what he does. His stats are impressive. He has one of the best starts to a career of any receiver in NFL history. And I just you watch the tape and there's there are so many moments where it's like, why are you not catching those? He drops a lot of long touchdown passes. It's like, like pot- potential big moments that he just misses. And that would infuriate me as a it infuriates me as a fan of football. I can't even imagine if I called the Buccaneers my team how it would it would feel week after week. Yeah, and I'm counting on him to drop a few more next week. But overarchingly, though, yeah, the Bucks. I mean, Baker may win a divisional game. Baker may win a Super Bowl. Baker may win comeback player of the year. Baker Mayfield. He's he's absolutely killing it right now. And getting you and I have talked about him. Yeah. And we've talked about him all season that we Mm -hmm. are Baker Mayfield fans. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Planting the flag at Ohio State going back to his college days. The NFL is more fun when Baker Mayfield balls, and he balled. And just as a reminder, he was in Carolina last season, and they had him running scout team defense because they didn't think he was a viable starter. Yeah, you can go on the internet right now, and you can find pictures of him with his hand in the dirt as he plays defensive end and edge rusher for their scout team. He just won a playoff game. So. Yeah, and Carolina should have the number one pick in the draft. So, I don't know. Evaluate your players better. One other player to evaluate, and really the last piece of the Eagles and Bucks game to talk about, Jason Kelsey, the longtime Philadelphia Eagles center, officially Rest announced peace. his Not retirement. Is it a Hall of Fame career for Kelsey without question? Yeah, I think so. All pros are kind of the number one decider. If you can get multiple all pros, especially add a ring onto that, which he's done both, True. then you're kind of in, no question. He is a six-time first-team yep. all pro. And in the history of the league, there have been 54 players at any position that have been six-time all pro players, first-team all pro. All 54 of them are in the Hall of Fame. So... Yeah, not only is Jason going to make the Hall of Fame, I would be actively shocked if he was not a first ballot Hall of Fame. Yeah, just a consistent piece of that offense and kind of revolutionized the last couple seasons with the brotherly shove, tush push, whatever you want to call it. That play only works when you have a quarterback who can squat 600 and you have a center like Jason Kelsey who can pull it off. Yeah, yeah, they were a great duo this past two seasons with the, uh, the Russian quarterback. Another quarterback that we probably need to talk about and didn't talk about enough last week, C.J. Stroud and oh my gosh. the Houston Texans. We here, here it is. We were wrong. We were wrong. We, we both picked the Browns. The Browns had one of the greatest defenses all season, one of the greatest defenses of all time at one point, and Miles Garrett, likely defensive player of the year, if not the winner. He's definitely number two. Joe Flacco looked elite 
down the stretch. You could say that with or without a grain of salt. And <laughs> but then they hit apparently a buzzsaw in the Texans and their rookie quarterback. Yeah, and Joe Flacco looked bad. He looked really bad in that game. He had 300 yards, I think, but he only had one touchdown, and that one touchdown was a shovel pass. So he essentially pitched it forward to Kareem Hunt, like four yards, not even a real pass. Yeah. Yeah, they, like you said, it was basically a buzzsaw. The Texans just had their number, and C.J. Stroud was connecting all over the field with their sensation, Nico Collins. Man, crushed it. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to see. I think there was so much negative. I don't. I don't even know how to describe it. The negative press around C.J. Stroud coming into the season, into the in the pre-draft process. There was a lot of talk about. You know, he's not smart enough to play quarterback. He's not fast enough. He doesn't read things correctly. And some of that, I think, was media smoke. I'm justifying Bryce Young going number one overall. C.J. Stroud has balled out. He has absolutely let his play do the talking and looks to be the steal of the draft as the number two pick. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we saw the Panthers trade up. They basically announced we we have their owner, David Tepper, non-debatably, like there's a video of him talking about Mm -hmm. to the press saying, oh, we were going to settle for C.J. Stroud. We wanted Bryce Young, but we didn't think we could move all the way up to number one. Yep. They do move up to number one. They get Bryce Young. And you're absolutely right. It looks like they got fleeced because C.J. Stroud is amazing. Yeah. He's got, I mean, he has them going into the divisional round of the playoffs as a rookie with a rookie head coach. Yep. And also on that team, Laramie Tunsil, their offensive tackle, is the he's the highest paid based on average annual salary. I think Trent Williams is the highest overall, but Tunsil has the highest average annual salary of any offensive tackle in the league. He went one-on-one with Miles Garrett, did not give up a single hit. Yeah, yeah, that's not too shabby. Not really top tackle, like maybe in the conversation top five, going against maybe number one edge rusher, and you hold your own. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, did his job. On the other side of that one, the Browns are going to have an interesting offseason conversation because what do you do with the former Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson? And part of it that makes it even more crazy is there's the question of what do you do with Watson, but also the team that just bounced you from the playoffs has your first-round pick. Mm, mm-hmm. That's true because of Deshaun Watson. Because of Deshaun Watson, but... They advance in the playoffs, and they make their own first-round pick better, not worse, because you lost. Yeah. No, that is having your cake and eating it, too. Absolutely. That is just so, so tough for the Browns. But, yeah, I don't—you owe him all this money. It's guaranteed no matter what. There's no way you can get out of it. But he's not good. But he's not good. Um, Yeah. We saw three backups play— for Cleveland this season, and all of them were able to do at least what he was able to do, if not more. Right. No, it's, I mean, Joe Flacco was on the couch just like us and came in and made, now I'm not saying that just anybody could do it. You've got to be an actual NFL caliber kind of athlete. 
But Flacco came in and made the Browns actively better than they were with their overpaid starting quarterback. Even going back to last season, we saw Jacoby Brissett accomplish more than Deshaun Watson. We saw Dorian Thompson-Robinson accomplish just as much as Deshaun Watson. You know, we've seen all these guys be the same or better than Deshaun Watson, but you owe him a billion dollars. It's really tough to admit when you're wrong, especially when it costs you literal hundreds of millions of dollars. They they should, though. You got to do it. You got to do it. Because at some point, you need to do... You need to move on, find the next quarterback. The Kansas City Chiefs did that a few years ago. Alex Smith was probably better than Deshaun Watson. That's kind of a separate issue. But they made a move, gave up some money. They knew it was going to cost them a little bit, but they went in with Mahomes. And that right now, that might be the best investment in the NFL because the Chiefs are never out of a game as long as Mahomes is under center. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think they would have been out of this game anyways. The Chiefs just lit the Dolphins on fire in a very cold way. Very, very cold. The Dolphins were never in this game. Nobody thought they were ever going to be in this game. What else is there to say? Yeah, and just to give you like a picture of how cold it was, there was a near goal line scramble where Mahomes was rushing for the end zone, collided head-to-head with the defensive player, and his helmet shattered. Yeah, because it was frozen, like when you drop an icicle on the ground. Yep. The plastic was so brittle that it shattered upon impact. I have never, ever seen a helmet shatter. I've seen face masks break. I've seen helmets get knocked off, obviously. I've never seen a helmet shatter. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. And if you looked close enough, you could see Andy Reid's mustache maybe shatter too. It was literally (laughs) frozen. It just, it was incredibly cold. And we knew that the Dolphins weren't going to be able to play in those conditions. We know for a fact that Tua suffers Mm. dramatically when he plays in the cold. Yeah. Tua is 6-13 and in games under 70 degrees. I don't keep my apartment 70 degrees even. No, I, yeah. He would lose if he played a football game in my apartment. (laughs) My day-to-day life is too cold for Tua. Yeah, and so he's 6-13 and 13 in those games and 0-4 and in games under 40 degrees. His passer rating, 57.1 in those games out of 158.3. That's atrocious. Yeah, it's like really, really bad. That is atrocious. Now, Tyreek Hill, he had a 50-yard touchdown. He so he, he turned up in his return. It's basically all he did in the entire game, largely because Tua can't play in the cold. Yeah, that's a that's a factor. But man, no one thought they were going to be in this game. No, and it's interesting because if the Dolphins had taken care of business at the final game of the regular season, beat the Bills at home, they get to host that game. Right. But they didn't, so they didn't. And now it's off to Cancun. I suppose. Yeah, and uh, the temperature in Miami this past weekend when they would have been hosting that game? Yeah. 74 degrees. Over 70. Over 70. Almost a guarantee. Bummer. Bummer. That also extends the Dolphins' playoff win drought to 23 seasons. Yeah, they, uh, they are now the longest team in the NFL with an active streak. 
of playoff losses and since their last playoff win. Previous record held by yours truly, the Detroit Lions. Losers no more. Losers no more. The Lions snapped their playoff losing streak and they finally hosted a playoff game. So that streak was snapped at home as they played in the only competitive game of the weekend that you and I already talked about against the Rams. It was, it was a pretty good game. And just to put in perspective how long it has been since Detroit felt the feeling of winning a playoff game, only one player on the entire roster was alive. Yeah, which the Lions have one of the ro- youngest rosters in the NFL, but that's still it was 1991. Yeah, like, no, that's, that's a long time. Zero percent of this podcast was alive. Correct. It has been a long, long time that the Lions have kind of been a laughing stock. Yeah, and they, they've made the playoffs. They've always done it as a wild card. They've always done it as the last ranked wild card. And but, gotten bounced first week. Yeah, and gotten bounced first week every single time. Not this year. But no more. No more. The Lions hold on. They end up winning 24-23 to 23 over Matthew Stafford coming home with the Rams. And Stafford balled out. He played incredibly well. He had... Yeah. Over 300 yards. Puka Nukua, rookie sensation. He put up over 180 yards and a touchdown. Man, it was a great football game all around. It was. It was fun back and forth. There was obviously, a, I think, a mixed reception for Stafford coming back. Um, some fans still have a little bit of, I guess, warmth toward him because of what he meant to the franchise and just how consistently not the problem he was in all his years in Detroit. And he's also just tough as nails. Um, There was a... Oh, absolutely. There was a moment in this game where a couple different angles, he probably was unconscious for a a second. I think he was. I I really think he was. I think he was actually knocked out. um, And he hopped up and kind of shook it off and kept playing, and the concussion evaluator didn't notice. So he just kept rolling. Well, and... They evaluated him and it came back negative. And I'm sitting there thinking there's absolutely no shot that that's a third party evaluator, because if they truly thought he was fine, there's no way. And he kept playing great. So, I mean, it's not like he dropped off a cliff. So maybe he was actually fine. But yeah, I, I think he was seeing stars there. Oh, for sure. But it was good as a just semi neutral fan of the sport. I really appreciate the the drama and the story there and having Stafford play well in Detroit is I think is a good look it feels good for everybody but ultimately Lions getting the win is going to feel a whole lot better than Stafford getting any sort of Cinderella story yeah and it was it was honestly that for both teams too because obviously with Stafford playing against Detroit we also had Jared Goff playing against the Rams both of them number 1 picks for the opposite organization and the mm-hmm. lions number two receiver, Josh Reynolds. He also played on that super bowl team That's with the Rams. Right. That's and right. In the first quarter, he had 75 yards alone. It was pretty much him. So it was, it was great. Um, it was a clean game. There were not very many calls that people were going to get upset with. There was one, no call against Puka Nakua. That was Kirby Joseph. That people thought was another dirty hit. And he responded after the game, and he said, God knows my character. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Everybody knows who I am. And his teammate, linebacker for the Lions, Alex Anzalone, 
he even quoted the tweet and he said, guys, this is literally how the league requested we tackle. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm saying they told us we can't go high and this is the strike zone. So it's where we're going to hit them. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely leaning toward Kirby Joseph maybe is bending the rule Um, because hitting low is one thing hitting at the knees is another and the nfl did make it very clear you can't hit high so i can see why he's maybe bending the rule i also think there's probably a hundred other players in the nfl that do the exact same thing but their games haven't been on prime time so that's not being shown valid and i think this is where our bias is evident you the lions fan and me the vikings fan with hawkinson and the torn acl yeah, pretty much. Happens. It overarchingly was a good game by everybody. No turnovers. It was clean. It was fun. It was good. Yeah, overall, fun time. And then the final game of the weekend that got rescheduled because it snows a lot in Buffalo. The Bills took care of the Steelers as we all expected. Yeah, pretty much. No one really thought the Steelers were going to be there. We all knew that Mike Tomlin was going to have some dark magic that he cooked up in an alleyway somewhere to get a winning season we know he's going to get a winning season and he did and he did we also knew he wasn't going to win this game and he did not and if you watched the first half of this game you'd probably think that the bills were going to win by more it was 31 17 as the final score it felt like the 21-7 halftime lead was just going to get bigger because watching that first half, it felt like Josh Allen was just on another level, completely unstoppable. Yeah, he himself had a 50-yard touchdown run that was pretty freaking sweet. He pulled out the uh, a variation of the Kenny Pickett fake quarterback slide, little mm-hmm. stutter step, and then kept on running. Um, for the rest of the field it was a a good it was a good run it was good it was good and that's what some people are saying about mike tomlin too is it was a good run i think steelers fans are nuts if you want to no freaking way no absolutely like mm. (laughs) mike mccarthy sure move on nick sirianni i don't think you should but sure move on mike tomlin are you nuts are you like you're out are you actively dumb that's really what i'm like Guys, he's never had a losing season. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there and you're saying like, oh, our franchise demands more. Our standards are so high. Blah, blah, blah. How many teams have won a Super Bowl in the last 20 years? Like six different teams. You're one of them. You're one of them. And this is obviously quarterback is a big piece of the puzzle. Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer, most likely. That was a huge part of success with Mike Tomlin. But then he's continued to win with Mason Rudolph. And Kenny Pickett and whoever. Like, guys, are you serious? Antonio Brown was normal because of Mike Tomlin. Le'Veon Bell was not yet rapping on SoundCloud because of (laughs) Mike Tomlin. Are you guys serious right now? Chill out. And Tomlin did announce later in the week that he has no plans to step away. He is not entertaining any other interviews. He wants to be back in Pittsburgh. And, yeah, the Steelers shouldn't even hint that Tomlin is done. Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel 
and Pete Carroll are all available as head coaches today. I don't know Mike Tomlin. If Mike Tomlin was made available, he would be the number one candidate on the market today. Agreed. I'd rather have Tomlin than all three of those others. Absolutely. He's the only one that has always had success. Bill Belichick, greatest coach of all time, has been less consistent than Mike Tomlin. Yep. Yeah. No, I I think that it's not even a conversation. It just is what it is. Yeah. No way. No way, guys. Calm down. All right. Now, look ahead to the divisional round. And we have some good games. We finally get to see the Ravens and Niners back. They've both effectively been off for the last several weeks um, after resting starters at the end of the regular season and then getting the first round by. So we'll see if there's rust accumulated or if they are rested and ready to rock. First game of the weekend, uh, let's talk Packers at Niners. Niners are favored by nine and a half. If this isn't the most classic playoff run for the Packers of all time. Go beat the pants off of the Cowboys and then lose to the 49ers. And lose big. I'm I'll say it, the nine and a half, I might still take the Niners. I might I, take, I might take the Niners to win outright. Beat the nine and a half. The one thing that worries me is we've seen that when teams rest players They have a tendency to come back rusty. Yes. You know, even the Browns, for example. Yeah. This past weekend. Flacco doesn't play, comes back, is meh. Is Purdy going to come back? Is McCaffrey going to come back? Meh. The Packers have the 29th ranked rushing defense after first contact. The 49ers have Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I will say on the flip side of that, the 49ers have a very highly ranked rushing defense, but Aaron Jones just tore apart, tore apart the Cowboys. And the only reason why the 49ers rushing defense is ranked so high is because every single team in the NFL was playing from behind. Nobody ran the football against them. They allowed over four yards per carry. It's just there weren't that many carries. It's interesting. Yeah, if the Packers can stay disciplined, maybe they make it interesting. I don't think it'll be that interesting. I think the Niners take care of it. Yeah, overarchingly, I'm with you. I think the Niners are the better team. I think they're maybe the best team in the NFL, so I'm I'm with you. Yeah. And the other rested team, the Ravens, will host the surging Texans, uh, but Baltimore's favored by nine. And I think it's interesting that the Ravens, with Lamar Jackson, the likely NFL MVP as their quarterback, their strength is actually the defense. Yep. Which is pretty incredible that you can have an MVP quarterback and an offense that is keeping up with anybody, and the defense is the better side of the ball. The Ravens' defense is actually the sixth best based on EPA in the last decade of all teams. Yeah, yeah, that's not too shabby. They're just so fast. Like, Kyle Hamilton in his second season, he's a first-team All-Pro. Yeah. He's incredible. Both you and I could have had them, which is kind of a bummer, which I love Jameson Williams, but for you, it's a really big bummer. But Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I like Kyle Hampton a lot. <laughs> I, he's he's fun to watch. But Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, I mean, they have some really good pieces on that defense. Javian Clowney looks like everything he was supposed to be. He's having one of his best career years. Yeah, they are, they are crushing it. 
But I'm not going to lie. This screams trap game to me. Really? It maybe not far enough to actually pick the Texans, but like 49, 51%. CJ Stroud, he just cooked a historic defense against probably the best individual between him and Micah Parsons, one of the best individual defensive players in the NFL. It's true. Yeah, that that's an interesting point. I'm I'm still gonna take the Ravens, but you make a good point in favor of CJ Stroud. He cooked. I just and it's not like that Texans defense is too shabby either. Obviously Lamar can run a lot, but Will Anderson has been good. Their linebackers have all had career years under D'Amico Ryans this year. Derek Stingley against Amari Cooper, one target for zero catches and zero yards, obviously. Yeah, no, like a blanket. I don't I think this is gonna be a matchup. And I'm still gonna pick the Ravens, but man, I will not be shocked if the Texans win this. I wouldn't be shocked, but a little disappointed, you know? Sure. But also kind of like Oh, this is like good football. This is good for There's football that. if the Texans win. That's good for football if the Texans win. But it could also be good for football if the Ravens win because when the Ravens play their best, they're really fun to watch this year. Oh, yeah. There's a certain thing to be said about it's good for football if the best team wins. And the two best teams are the Niners and Ravens. Yeah. Let's go to Detroit. The Buccaneers visiting the Lions. Uh, Lions, I believe, are six and a half point favorites. And hosting a second playoff game, for me, the biggest factor, Aiden Hutchinson is on a three-game multiple sack streak, kind of out of nowhere. He was getting pressure all season. We talked about it. Yep. Just never made it to the quarterback. It was pressure and pressure and getting quarterback hits and rushing. Yep. The last three games, those are getting home. Yeah, and doing it against good offensive lines and good quarterbacks. It, it's been kind of nuts. He had... Two two sacks last game against Matthew Stafford. Um, I believe five quarterback hits and something like six total tackles. Yeah, that dude's balling right now. Now, the argument, I think, the other direction would be uh, the Buccaneers can't run the ball. They just pass it constantly. And the Lions' weakest unit would be their defensive secondary. So maybe... It's just a matchup issue. Maybe. I Here's the thing. The Lions have allowed number one receivers over the last month to pretty much average 150 yards. Like, they just do. So, yep. Mike Evans, so long as he, you know, catches the ball. Yeah, sure. He's probably going for a buck 50 and a touchdown. I don't think that's going to be anywhere close enough to win this game. I don't either. I think I think the Lions win, and I think there's a lot of touchdowns scored in this one. The Lions and Bucks played in Tampa Bay in week seven or eight of this past season. The Lions won that game 20 to six, missing both of their starting corners, a starting safety, their top two running backs, a starting O lineman. They they were down like 20% of their team, and they won this game 20 to six in Tampa. I'm, I know you and everybody in Detroit wanted to go knock off the Cowboys, but this feels like a Pretty safe game if you're a Lions fan. Yeah, and even Aiden Hutchinson after the game against the Rams, he said on air to you know millions of people watching the television, he goes, yeah, we kind of wanted the Cowboys, but winning feels good either way. Win's a win. 
a win is a win. But yeah, I, I think we both agree the Lions are heavy favorites for a reason. I don't think the Bucks cover. Nah, I don't either. The most competitive game, at least in Vegas's eyes, for the divisional round is going to be the Chiefs going to Buffalo. Buffalo favored by two and a half, which is less than the typical home field advantage. So the money says Mahomes and Allen is going to be really, really close. Yeah, I think you're right. And, I mean, we already saw them play just a few weeks ago where uh, – where Buffalo won that game just barely on the offsides call from uh, offensive offsides on the Chiefs. They won that really close, so I'm pretty sure it's going to be close again. This time in Buffalo, mm-hmm. so that adds something. But First ever road playoff game for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, which is something else. It's got a bizarre. The only time he's played on the road in the playoffs is Super Bowls, which is like kind of not a road game right but this one's a real road game in buffalo josh allen has looked great the buffalo defense has been pretty banged up but the kansas city offense is really not consistently good and travis kelsey we know what he can be and what he has been at times this season but he hasn't super shown up as of late rasheed rice has balled but end of list, I mean, Pacheco, we know that he can run hard and he can be awesome, but he's not always asked to do that and yeah. doesn't stay super consistent anyways. Are the Bills even afraid of the Chiefs at this point? I don't think so. Maybe they should be. I don't know. I, this, this is the hardest one to pick, I think. Yeah, definitely. I have a tendency to not ever pick against Patrick Mahomes because best player in the NFL. Mm-hmm. This is probably the closest I'll ever be to picking against Patrick Mahomes. But not quite. I, I'm i going to let you pick first and see if you sway my decision. <laughs> I was going to say I'll pick whatever you don't just so we have some difference. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll, ride with, I'll ride with Bill's Mafia. All right. I'll, I'll take Pat. I'll take Pat. I don't want to make you bet against your boy. So we'll see what happens. Some good games hopefully on the schedule for divisional weekend and can't wait to see how it all plays out the one thing i'm gonna say lions look like they have a pretty easy road to the nfc championship game right now i don't want to call it a trap game it very well might be against the bucks but man if the packers pull off an upset and the nfc championship game ends up in detroit that's insane. And the draft is in Detroit? Yeah. Mur- murder rates are already at an all-time low. They might hit zero. It might be it might be negative. People are going to come back to life. I said if the Browns and Lions play in the Super Bowl, Jesus was coming back at halftime. That's obviously not going to I mean, Jesus very well may still come back at halftime. I'm but for obviously it. the Lions and Browns not going to be playing in the Super Bowl. But man, that if the Lions host the NFC Championship game, all bets are off, and I will probably spend a boatload of money to get there. <laughs> Remember what we said about bias coming through? We got a little. Is there anything untrue about what I'm saying at this point, though? They are heavy favorites. <laughs> They're going to probably be in the NFC Championship game. Hosting is a stretch. I don't think the Packers are going to be the Niners. No, and I'm not going to root for the Packers ever. It's 
it's a bias that I will carry with me <laughs> to my grave. Yeah, but we said NFC Beast at the beginning of the pod. The NFC North might be the best division in the NFL. Kind of fun. Kind of a bummer. Kind of fun if you're on the outside. Kind of a bummer. Not for me, though. Not for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for hanging with us in the AD's office. Office hours are officially closed. Make sure you follow along on Instagram and Twitter at the AD's office. We'll live tweet the games over the weekend. And as always, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Come back next week to find out if it's a depressive episode for Devin or an incredibly joyous one. See ya. See ya. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.